to the Future of Field Service podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Nicastro. Today, we're going to be discussing a topic that comes up uh, conversation after conversation with um, sort of opposing views and a lot of, of questions. Uh, I think we're going to answer some of those here today. So we're going to be talking about how Foxtel has mastered the contract workforce model. I'm excited to be joined today by Nunzio Bagnato, who is the Director of Home Service and Advanced Servicing for Foxtel. Nunzio, welcome to the Future of Field Service podcast. Thank you. Thank you for being here. Good, good. Doing great. All right, so before we, we get into uh, the contract workforce discussion, start by just telling uh, our listeners a bit about yourself and your role and your um, background and anything you wanna share related to Foxtel. Yeah, thank you. Look, um, I've, I, as you said, I look after the home service part of our business as well as the advanced servicing. And advanced servicing is, is more to do with our case, technical case management and, um, um, secondary activities that require some additional case management. Um, but around 50% of my role, or even 60% of my role is the home service, field service part of the business. And that over, and I oversee the, the, the field service part of that business, as well as the contract relationship, all the field activities that involve installation, servicing the customer, upgrading the customer. Um, I've been at Foxtel for 23 years. I've got 30 years experience in field service. Um, originally started as a field technician um, at one of our first pay to companies when I was about 20 um, and have been in the industry ever since and made my way up, um, up the ladder um, and have now enjoyed you know, running a, a, a successful home service team uh, here at Foxtel. Awesome. Okay, so um, 23 years, that's a heck of a tenure. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and you have that sort of um, firsthand perspective of what the frontline job is, is all about. Um, so, so I think that's, that's really cool as well. Um, so I, I want to start by saying, you know, the, the audience of this podcast is a global audience, right? And so um, we, we talked about the fact, Anzia, when when you and I connected previously, that you know, the contract model is a more common model in Australia. Um, and, and so, you know, I think that factors into this discussion in the sense of, of maybe giving you a little bit more of a comfort level around it. But I think the practices that you have put in place at Foxtel for really, um, you know, mastering and optimizing this model are something that is easily transferable or, or um, you know, good food for thought for any company in any region looking to better leverage uh, the value of a contingent workforce. So that being said, you know, um, there does seem to be some debate around, you know, is our contract workers the way to go? Are they not the way to go? Are they the way to go? Or are they not the way to go, right? So in Australia, it's more common. You had mentioned that when you talk with colleagues in the US, you know, the, the number one issue um, seems to be concern over control. So, so why do you think that is? Look, I understand that concern. Right? For many, many years, we had some of those challenges. Uh, we, we had a traditional contractor model very transactional, very volume-based sort of uh, um, model. Um, and the field technician was probably single-minded, focusing on what they can get from, from the role. 
it was the way we shifted that model, moved up to a more um, service-based model, less transactional, um, and um, transformed what the technician should do and what the contractor's responsibility is in that contract. Um, and it wasn't until we actually shifted to the new model and changed the way we operate and the way we engage with our vendors or our contractors, um, it, that's when we started to see the results that we're seeing today. Um, we needed to change the culture. Traditionally, a contract, contractor model is, is transactional. As I said, it's a master-servant sort of arrangement. And you're going to get those type of results. You're going to get that behaviour. You're going to get that culture. So how do you get a contracted workforce to feel and, and, and um, behave like um, your own field workforce um, without crossing any of those uh, legal lines? Um, and having a strategic partnership where you have your contracting workforce or your contractors in the same building, side by side, part of your team, an extension of my, my structure, mm -hmm. um, and then have the field workforce change the way, the way they interact with the customer, the way they actually present themselves, mm -hmm. shifting that model, introducing a scorecard model. And I know that every organisation has scorecards, but we didn't want to introduce a scorecard. It was just something that we'd look at and tick and flick. It really had to be a way of working. It was mm -hmm. the Foxtel way, if you like. And um, it was the program of work that we that we kind of married with the scorecard and the and the the rankings. And I'll talk a bit about more, more about the scorecard. We did away with all those penalties in a contracted, you know, in a traditional contractor model. You know, in the past, technicians will be penalized um, for not hitting KPIs or milestones. Um, we did away with that. Our view was that, you know, we're dealing with adults. We want to have adult conversations with, with our vendors, our technicians or our contracting leadership team and have meaningful collaborative conversations. If they're an extension of my team, then we're having the same operating rhythm. You know, we have those weekly meetings. We have those, those um, strategic meetings that actually drives us to meet our strategic goals. Mm -hmm. um, so they are the key for areas that we changed the co-location, the extension of our team, the scorecard and the culture. Uh, and by the way, it wasn't like we just flipped it overnight. It, it was a journey, uh, especially mm -hmm. the culture piece. Shifting the entire workforce from a traditional contractor model to the model that we have today. Uh, we still have challenges today, but by and large, we have been able to shift the workforce. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we're going to dig into all of that a little bit more, but I think the, one of the key messages that, that I want to get across to listeners here is that, you know, not only would you say that the, the um, cost efficiency of the model outweighs some of those concerns, but it yeah. doesn't necessarily have to be a trade-off. There are steps you can take and measures you can put in place to circumvent and alleviate a lot of, of the concerns that I think prohibit people from taking a deeper look at this model. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I don't disagree. No, okay. Okay. So let's talk then about um, some of those steps that, that Foxtel has taken to really shift things from that, you know, transactional, more penalty-based environment to one that's more collaborative. And, you know, when you said that we've gotten away from penalties and we've shifted I know what you've shifted to, so I have a little bit of a sneak peek, but it made me think of parenting, right? They say that when you can give positive reinforcement, 
it's much more effective than punishment, 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 right? So that, you know, seems to be sort of a, a theme here as well. But it's an interesting point you make there. That, that exact point um, was pretty much when it came to the scorecard and how we actually manage the scorecard and the conversations we have with our field technicians, mm -hmm. we wanted to focus on the positives. Mm -hmm. Every conversation had to be around the positives. What are we doing really, really well, right? And how, first of all, how did you get there? You know, not by luck, not by sheer luck. You got there because you did something, you followed a particular sequence or you followed a process or whatever it may be, right? Understanding how you got there so we can continue to do that or improve on that was critical. So positive reinforcement and then what else can we do to improve? What are some of the other areas we can improve on? So that is definitely how we approach our conversations. And that is uh, at all levels. You know, when we're talking to my direct reports, when they're talking to the vendor uh, leadership team, we're talking to the field leadership team, when we're talking to the tech leadership team, it's the same, same conversation. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think that, um, you know, another aspect here is if you're looking more for positive reinforcement, then how do you incentivize or reward yeah. these workers in a way that um, promotes those positive behaviors rather than simply penalizing them for, you know, a negative uh, outcome. So we're going to dig into that. Um, before we do, so you mentioned that the scorecard was one pillar of this overall journey. So, so walk us back through the different areas of this, and then we'll dig into the scorecard um, specifically. So we really needed to shift the way that the technician focused on the day. Um, and, you know, prior to the scorecard or prior to our command center model being rolled out, um, our technicians focus on the traditional metrics, right? The completion rates, the missed deployment rates, blah, 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 right? Really important, really important. Um, but it was, that really drove a, a volume-based sort of behavior. Bang, 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 bang. Just get through the day as quick as I can, get the volumes through because the more, the more I do, the more I get paid. Mm -hmm. um, but that obviously impacted the way we actually serviced our customers, the impact of quality, impacted safety, impacted a number of different areas of our business that we felt that, you know, um, needed to be addressed. And we lost the reason, we, we lost focus on why we're here. We needed to realign, we need to take a step back and, and, and really make sure that everyone in our business understands why we're here. We're here to provide a service to a customer. Uh, and in, in my case, we're providing uh, entertainment to a customer. Mm -hmm. So there is no focus on the customer when we're out there. Mm -hmm. So let's focus on the customer. So we introduced a scorecard collectively with, with, with the leadership team. We introduced a scorecard that focused on four quadrants. And, um, and the first quadrant was all about the customer, right? Mm -hmm. So it's about customer surveys and arrival on time. That's it. That's all I want to know about. If we go out there and we get a really good survey and a great, you know, great verbatims to go with that, and, and, we've, and we've met their expectations by arriving on time, we've done what we had to do in that particular mm -hmm. quadrant. And then we have our cycle, our cycle quadrant, which is our traditional kind of metrics, which are completion rates and that type of stuff. Uh, the other quadrant is um, finance, and we wanted to focus on the finance component of what the technician does, right? Because we do have a free issue model in our business. There are, there are things that we need to keep an eye on, um, and the, vend uh, the, the contractors are a subcontract, they're own, their own business. So they need to kind of understand how they impact the financial component of the, of the scorecard. Mm -hmm. 
nothing major, just something small, just for them to keep an eye on. But it's really important for us to keep track of our um, of our um, free issue and, our, and our inventory. And then the last quadrant is quality and safety, or quality mainly. Um, and, and I'll talk about safety in a second. Safety kind of doesn't sit in the scorecard for us. Safety is kind of the, the qualifier, the gateway. If you fail any safety audits, then you're disqualified from your, your scorecard for the month. It's irrelevant how good you are on your scorecard. You fail safety, then you fail the whole lot. So mm -hmm. safety is a gateway into the scorecard. Um, and in the quality quadrant, we have um, uh, revisit. So the, um, the, the amount of times a, a job needs to be returned within 30 days. Mm -hmm. And um, what's important for us is having the, the set-top box connected to the internet, right? So and the, the work involved in doing that. So there is there isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of KPIs, and it's by design, right? We don't want to have too many, but we've identified the key areas of our business that we want the technician to focus on. And each quadrant has a twenty-five point rating, right? So you can get a maximum twenty-five, and there are some thresholds. That scorecard um, is is important to the field technician because, you know, we lent the idea from Uber and have a ranking and the ranking, which is our bronze, our silver, gold and platinum, um, determines the priority of routing. So when it comes to routing, if you're a platinum technician and you've been a platinum technician for that month, then for the next month, you're going to enjoy pro uh, priority routing. So you'll be the first technician to be routed. So all the platinum technicians get routed, all the gold guys next, all the silver guys, and if there's anything left, the bronze guys will get their rest. Mm -hmm. That's really important for our, our business, especially important for a contractor, a subcontractor, if you like, because this is their business. They have to ensure that they've got continuous work coming in so they can actually run their business. And for us, we're driving a culture. We're shifting the way the technician manages the customer. They sit down with the customer. They have that interaction with the customer. They service the customer. They really deliver what we want them to deliver. And then they're doing everything else on the job they need to do, making sure they complete the job, making sure they do this, they do that from a quality point of view. Um, so when we first started this journey, goodness, five years ago, and we launched the scorecard model, 70% um, of our field workforce were bronze technicians. And we're really proud that right now, 70% of our field, work, field workforce is is predominantly platinum and a little bit of gold, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and that's taken a lot of work from you know from our leadership team, um, as well as the uh, the the contractor leadership team. Um, it is a lot of side by side conversations to get that team, the field team, to operate the way they need to be today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, the scorecard really is identifying those KPIs that you want to focus on as a group, um, and. And uh, introducing that, that, that KPI that's going to shift the way you operate, the way you service the customer, mm -hmm. and, and, don't, and, and not put in any type of KPI. I mean, you can have a laundry list of KPIs. You can really get carried away. Mm -hmm. But we chose the eight. And yeah. we chose the eight for a reason, because we wanted to shift the way we operated, shift the way we serviced our customers. And we mm -hmm. felt these KPIs did that. Mm -hmm. So there's a couple of things that I think are really interesting. You know, the first is... <laughs> this recognition that I think a lot of the hesitancy around the contractor model, when, when you look at why do people feel they need to maintain that control? Um, at least in my conversations, it's primarily to protect the customer experience, right? Yet 
um, you know, when, when you're, when you're running a volume based business, you're kind of working against that objective to some degree, just by incentivizing volume, 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 right? So, you know, the incorporation of those customer focused metrics was an important step in, in helping your contract workforce understand, okay, wait, you know, we realize the volume is not the only thing that's important here. And we need to, to prioritize the customer experience a bit more. Um, I also think though, there's, um, something to be said about the simplicity of what you're choosing to track and how, right? So to your point, you know, if you had a, a quadrant with eight KPIs in, in each square, you know, it just becomes convoluted. It's harder for people to understand. They might not be as engaged in paying attention to what their, you know, rank is and, you know, so really simplifying that. Um, now, one of the things we talked about, though, is that those KPIs, you, you like to focus on two per quadrant. So the quadrants are identified. You like to set two KPIs per quadrant to keep things simple. But those KPIs can change based on what the business's biggest priorities are, right? Can you talk a little bit Absolutely. about that? Absolutely. Um and it's really important to note that this 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 scorecard is all the KPIs that make up the scorecard is fluid. Um, there are some KPIs that will not be removed. I mean, customer satisfaction is one of them. Um, mm -hmm. That is always that's kind of cemented in, and that's important that we understand that that is a number one focus. Um, but from the moment uh, from the moment we raised or launched the scorecard um, to where we are now, we've, we've we've replaced these KPIs. In the early days, when we launched the model at the command command center model, and we introduced a new field service scheduling system, um, we needed the technicians to change the way they they um, they interacted with us mm -hmm. and how they used the system, and it required them to follow a couple of different steps: click click button here, click button there. Um, and we just couldn't get the field workforce to, to do that. Um, so we included it in the scorecard. Mm -hmm. um, button compliance was critical for, to our success, um, you know, especially when you're working with the workforce scheduling system that, that depends on um, the technician clicking on site and clicking off site so we can get accurate timings, um, get the data we need to be able to run an efficient business. So we had button compliance. We also had time on the job. We identified early on that technicians were, were doing seven-minute service calls, mm -hmm. right? And um, in a contract in the old world, that makes sense, right? Because you're pumping, you're pumping through a lot of volume here. But in our world now, it's like, well, seven minutes, how do you actually knock on the customer's door, greet the mm -hmm. customer, diagnose the problem, fix the problem, explain the problem, and then take the customer through the ending of the, of the interaction in seven minutes. It's not possible, right? Mm -hmm. So um, job timings was important and trying to change, not asking the technician stop doing jobs quickly. It's about, can you explain to me how this seven-minute service call happened? Can mm -hmm. you please explain to me how we can actually um, increase the time? Have you gone through each of the steps in the scope of work? And it's just educating the technician on what we expect from them and what our customers expect from them and what you should be doing in each of the jobs. Mm -hmm. And we're not suggesting for a moment that every technician spend an hour, an hour, an hour and a half on every job. You're going to have different technicians spending different times. But ruling out those little 
little job times or those smaller job times because you know we're not offering the customer the level of service we need was important. So we kind of introduced things that we needed to focus on that we knew that needed to shift, either shift from a performance point of view mm-hmm. or shift from a behaviour slash culture point of view. Mm-hmm. Um, and we continue to look at what kind of areas of our business do we need to now um, reintroduce. Now, we don't do it as often as monthly. Um, in actual fact, we went early days, we did six months. Now we've extended it out every, every year. So every year when we enter into our new financial year, we'll review our scorecard and we'll have a look at what we're going to include this year. What is our focus? So what is our strategic focus this year? Mm-hmm. And how does the field actually contribute to that? Do we need to change our scorecard or do we need to change um, the target? Mm-hmm. And we do that. Yeah. And we, by the way, we don't just decide in this office and then roll it out. Um, we have the conversation with our with our service provider or our contracting company. Then we then we pressure test it with our field leaders, mm-hmm. and then we pressure test it with a a focus group of technicians, and we get mm-hmm. feedback. And when we're comfortable that we're you know we're all on the same page and we've got the right feedback and we're going to achieve what we need to achieve, then we'll formally roll it out as a change. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not. It's not. It's not. In our model, we don't just do things for the sake of doing it or we don't just change things and expect the rest of the business to fall in line. You know, right. They're the ones that are actually going to be delivering this. So we need to understand, is it something we're going to be able to successfully achieve? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the scorecard is not only for the technicians. It, the scorecard is aggregated all the way up to me. So the mm-hmm. scorecard the technicians look at, and I'll talk about the other scorecards in a second, um, that, is, that is how everyone's measured. So it's not only for the field techs, the scorecard model is aggregated all the way up to me. So everyone's got skin in the game here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't have a different set of KPIs. We've all got the same KPIs. We'll work off the one scorecard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tell us about the other scorecards. Uh, in the, so we've got a command center and a planning team that, you know, that, that's like co-located, as I said to you earlier, um, and they have their own scorecards. So mm-hmm. the command center have their own scorecard and the planning team have their scorecard. There are shared measures or shared KPIs, things like customer satisfaction, completion rates, they are shared, right? They are things that we believe that everyone in this group has the ability to influence. And there's a couple of other KPIs that are shared. And then there are KPIs that are specific to their role. The difference with that scorecard is they're employees of the contracting company, so they're not subcontractors, so they're on salary. So their scorecard is linked to their bonus, Mm -hmm. right? So, for example, this year, the target is gold. If they achieve a gold average throughout the year, they get 100% of their bonus. Mm -hmm. If they don't, then they get a percentage of of their bonus. Um, And it's really, is again, same sort of operating rhythm. It's a weekly side-by-side conversation going through the scorecard, focusing on the positives, uh, identifying the opportunities, having a look at other peers and bringing in those peer-to-peer conversations, the coaching, the mentoring to help that individual be successful. But the way it operates here is that we have an example would be the Victorian Command Centre Optimizer. We'd sit mm-hmm. down with the Victorian um, Planner. We'd sit down with the Victorian Field Leadership Team in their weekly meeting and they would share their KPIs and work through their plan of attack for the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the areas of focus um, and then they go away and hopefully that plan they put in place is going to yield them the results they planned um, and then happy days we keep moving and get better and better and better. so they work really closely together 
And you've got a combination of contractor versus Foxtel employee in those conversations as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's one of the things you said earlier about, you know, even when you're making changes to the, the field scorecard, um, you're asking for feedback. And I think, you know, that's another good point is just because you choose to leverage a contractor model doesn't mean that you can't you know, value and treat those employees as a part of the business, right? You know, I think there's sometimes this perception that it's internal or external, right? And, and you know, it, it sounds like you guys are doing a good job of, you know, making um, sure that you're listening to that feedback, incorporating that feedback and prioritizing those employees' voice, you know, in a similar sense of W-2 employees. Well, we value the technicians. Uh, we value, um, we, we, my view is they have a voice. They have a very strong voice. Um, they, are the, they are the field. They're, they're the only face-to-face -face contact we have. Right. Right. So when you look at our business, every interaction a customer has is going to be over the phone or via chat or online. Mm -hmm. The field technician is the only face-to-face -face they have. So they are, the, they are primed to tell us exactly how we can improve the customer experience. They are in a perfect position to tell us how to improve our business because they are doing what, what they need to do to get the jobs done mm -hmm. at the standard that we expect from them. So they are, um, they've got a voice in our business. Our field, myself, my field leadership team, our director, my, my leadership team have always been front and centre in in toolbox meetings or um, any type of uh, technician gathering. They're out and about. Um, we don't just sit in an office um, and, and cut ourselves off from the world because um, I think having those face-to-face -face relationships, not only are you getting the feedback from them, you're helping them understand our strategy, the reasons why we make decisions. We're helping them with our message we're actually developing a really strong relationship at every level. We're not hierarchical at all. I mean, we, I, I, I've had conversations with multiple technicians. I have technicians call me, text me, mm -hmm. and I'm okay with that because that is a window, it is a portal into their world that I need. So how do I improve my business if I don't have the relationship with the guys and girls that are doing the, the, the hard yards every single day? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I was a technician sense. as well, so I've got a soft spot for them as well. Right, right. Um, now we, we talked about the, the, the tiers of technicians and the prioritization of routes. So the platinum technicians get the best routes. Are, are there other incentives, um, tied to their achieved tier? Um, or, or is that the primary, I guess, incentive for them to, to work toward platinum, gold, et cetera? Well, as soon as you're a platinum technician, you, you know, you've, you're treated, um, you're being given the opportunity to actually um, take on additional work or other types of work, right? So, um, um, for example, our VIPs and um, escalated um, customers are only serviced by platinum technicians. Mm -hmm. So, um, when we make a promise to our VIPs um, and we're sending out a technician, we're sending the best of the best, right? Mm -hmm. um, because they have a proven record. They are they are, they are excellent customer experience. They're excellent at every other KPI on their, on their scorecard, but they've got a history of being a platinum technician. Um, so, and any other type of 
additional uh, event sort of work or any type of uh, additional work that we need highly skilled technicians, they'd be the first guys we go to. So -hmm. there's a benefit of being a platinum technician outside of just the the usual work. We've just recently um, introduced the Platinum Plus, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And and that was because we identified that there is a, a, a group of platinum technicians who have been platinum for a very long time and they they go the extra mile but it's not captured in the scorecard mm-hmm. like they're always getting five out of five out of, out of the surveys and another platinum technician is getting 4.9 or 4.8 um but they always getting they're always achieving so they're high achievers and we felt there's an opportunity for us to introduce platinum plus mm-hmm. uh, for those high achieving technicians allow those platinum guys to go to the next level to provide the next level of service really drive that that customer interaction really drive the way they service the customers and the way they operate um, and, and recognize those guys that are continually hitting platinum. Um, mm-hmm. So we introduced platinum plus from a routing perspective, uh, it doesn't change, but you, 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 we've got other benefits um, mm-hmm. benefits like um, you know, tickets to premieres, uh, tickets to the football, any of that type of, any of that type of um, additional benefit, we, mm-hmm. we're happy to provide to those platinum guys, platinum plus guys, um, and um, and we've already got. We introduced this what in June, sorry July, um, and we've already got close to ten percent of our workforce sitting at platinum plus. That's great. Yes. So so talk a little bit more about the impact this journey, the scorecard has had on, um, I guess, a service delivery and b the contractor engagement. Well, from a service delivery perspective, I mean, we, we've achieved and we're enjoying probably the best part of our, the best patch of our journey um, ever. Um, our KPIs, our performance, the way we operate from an efficiency point of view, the level of service we offer our internal customers here at Foxtel mm-hmm. and our external customers is probably the best at best state it's ever been. So um, when we look at, when I just sweep through the KPIs in our business, um, we're not just improved. <laughs> you know, we've blown them out of the water in a lot of cases. Um, but for me, what's really important about that is is sustaining that level of performance mm-hmm. um, and, and keep keep the team um, striving for 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 more. Um, mm-hmm. You know, our completion rates, for an example, in the early when we first launched this, you not know, five years ago, we were we were kissing eighty seven percent completion rate which means 13% of our customers were being, were being not missed, but jobs weren't getting done. Mm-hmm. We're enjoying now an average of 94, 95%. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not unusual for us to hit 95%. An actual mm-hmm. fact, when we don't hit 95%, we kind of scratch our head and said, hey, what, went, what went wrong? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's where we are right now. Customer satisfaction, we never used to, we never used to um, measure that. We introduced that as part of the command center launch. But in the early days, that was sitting at three out of five. We are now averaging 4.9, 4.95. Um, and the verbatim we're getting from our customers is, is, is nothing but complimentary uh, about the level of service we provide our customers, the time mm-hmm. we do, turning up on time, uh, spending the time going through each of the, uh, the, 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 the scoping out of the job, uh, providing the level of service that they expect from an organisation like ours. And that's what we want to see. But 
there are other opportunities for us to kind of improve on that. So, um, so we're enjoying a patch right now that we've not, we've never experienced at Foxtel, and we're not done. We we, we believe we can do a, a lot more, a lot more. You know, this is a this is an ever changing environment, uh, especially pay TV. Uh, field service is becoming is becoming tougher and tougher every single day. Uh, there are pressures that every field service organisation around the world is dealing with, mm -hmm. um, and um, we believe there is another another iteration of what we've got here. Um, we call it the command centre model, but uh, we believe there's another iteration that we want to kind of tap into um, that is organic to where we need to go to. Mm -hmm. But from a from a from a partnership point of way, I think. We've identified that the, the 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 level of engagement we have with our field team, as well as our contracting team, it's the best it's ever been, um, and that's because we moved away from that serv master servant sort of um, model, mm. and allowed them to be in the driver's seat, mm -hmm. sit beside me, let's work through this together. My KPIs, your KPI, with that type of stuff, right? But what's more important is that they drive the program of work. Mm -hmm. They focus on, they provide the areas of focus. They're, in, you know, they're the ones that are actually driving the change on our behalf mm -hmm. and we're giving them that control. Um, and allowing, allowing our vendors or our, our contracting company to set the agenda. Right? So mm -hmm. they're highly engaged uh, and that's because they're running this like their own business. Mm -hmm. Now, when you decided to make this shift, um, you know, the, the whole journey, right? So part of that was kind of, you know, a play toward customer centricity. And, and you talked about the fact that, you know, the, the technicians are the face of Foxtel, right? They're the ones yeah. that are interfacing directly with the customers. And so part of this was you know, moving from that transaction and, and sort of volume-based approach to having them present and, and interact in a way that was in line with, you know, Foxtel's brand and persona and, you know, um, quality level. So how did this, um, how did the scorecard method help in, in achieving that outcome? Well, we had to take a step back um, and we had to look at the Foxtel technician. Mm -hmm. What does a Foxtel technician look like? What is mm -hmm. the future of the, you know, what's the, 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 the Foxtel technician of the future look like? Mm -hmm. And at that point in time, the Foxtel technician looked like your standard tradie. I mean, if you had a, a plumber stand beside one of our Foxtel technicians, you wouldn't know the difference, right? Mm -hmm. they, they looked the same, they spoke the same, um, and they, um, they service the customers the same way. Mm -hmm. And I'm not suggesting that plumbers don't service customers. Um, but I'm just, what I'm trying to illustrate here is that the Foxtel technician felt and looked like a trade. Mm -hmm. And when you look at what we were delivering, we're delivering entertainment. That's what we're doing. We're providing mm -hmm. a customer a form of entertainment. And does a Foxtel technician need to be in a trader uniform? Our old technician used to be in high-vis vest with, you know, um, with, we call them silicon snot marks all over his uniform, um, scruffy-looking dude, um, turn up to the customer's house, grunt his way through the job mm -hmm. and get the hell out of there as quick as he possibly can, right? That wasn't in line with the product we were providing. It wasn't in line with our brand. 
So we had a look at what does a Foxtel technician, what should it look like? And it needed to be somebody who was you know, groomed, well-groomed, who presented himself really, really well in a standard Foxtel uniform, who had really good soft skills. Mm -hmm. So we changed the way we recruited our technicians. We have, we had technicians that were highly skilled when it came to installing Foxtel or servicing Foxtel. But when it came to the soft skills, there was an area of opportunity. So either we had to train up those guys in their soft skills, or when we recruited new technicians, they were really good with the soft skill stuff, really good with the customer experience, really good with the interaction stuff. Mm -hmm. And we can train them on the technical stuff. We can right. train them up. We've got a really good training program to get them right up to the standards we need to provide them that, that highly technical ability. But that soft skill stuff, that interaction, mm -hmm. that, was, that was critical to us. So we made sure that our recruitment strategy shifted and we focused on those, those type of um, men and women. Um, and that together with the scorecard mm -hmm. and the way we actually discussed the scorecard, the program of work with the scorecard, shifted the type of technician we had out there. Mm -hmm. They are 100% focused on providing a service to a customer. And they know that they need to turn up with their ID, with their uniform, well-groomed. They need to interact. They need to follow the scope of work from, from A all the way through to Z mm -hmm. um, because that is what we expect from a Foxtel technician. Mm -hmm. That is what's going to ensure that they provide the level of service the customer expects from us. That is what helps them achieve a good scorecard. Mm -hmm. and, and if that all goes to plan, then they are almost guaranteed guaranteed work mm -hmm. it makes sense simple formula yep so the other thing that that you've mentioned that was key to all of this is um the command center so uh so the scorecard method um and the command center kind of work together to give the technicians the ability to focus more on that service experience talk about the command center's role in um, allowing the technicians to to focus as much as possible on that that customer interaction. So when we designed um, the command center, we designed the field component to be to empower the technician to have full control over his or her day. Um, we wanted the technician to be able to do everything from their device, control their day. What we also said is that we want you to focus on the job that you have in front of you. The old technician would be doing the routing, the, the jeopardy management, the rescheduling, the whole lot. Mm -hmm. um, your role, let's define your role. Your role is to go out to a customer's house and service them and do what you need to do. That's whatever, do whatever is on the work order. Mm -hmm. um, but when you're in that house, you are 100% focused on that customer. You're not worrying about your next job or your route or whatever, tomorrow's route or whatever. 100% focus. But I'm giving you... I'm giving you full control over that, that job. Mm -hmm. So if a technician's day goes to plan, the command centre will never interact with the technician. And we have technicians mm -hmm. that, you know, that go through days where they're not interacting with the command centre. The command centre only gets involved when the job or the route goes off path. Mm -hmm. And um, they only manage by exception. They're there to provide them support but they're also there to take away all those admin type of tasks. If mm -hmm. the day doesn't go to plan, uh, the command center will identify that before the technician knows that your day is going off the track. 
a job or some jobs in the afternoon present themselves at, at risk, mm -hmm. the command centre will reach out to the technician, validate that that's the case. Because sometimes it's not exactly um, the technician may be finishing off a job and as soon as he finishes that job off, the day corrects itself. We just want to mm -hmm. reach out and make sure. Technician confirms that, you know, he's still on the job and maybe out there for a while. Then the command centre will manage those jobs that are at risk. It'll either, mm -hmm. will either auto route them to another technician in the area to meet that, time, that appointment window. Um, in most cases, we will do that or bring another technician into the area to meet that time slot. And worst case scenario is that we're not able to meet that time slot and the command centre will manage the customer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, there also is a where's my tech solution out there where the customer can self-serve as well. So they can actually have a look at where the technician is and, and, and work out exactly when he, he or she is estimated to arrive and obviously um, go about their day um, to ensure that they, they're not being um, inconvenienced in any way. So the command centre really is there to provide them that support and the level of service and manage by exception. Again, if the day goes to plan, the technician would not speak to the command center. Mm -hmm. But there are scenarios where that happens. You've also got a planning team, which is part of the command center, and they are all part of the, 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 the planning component leading into the day. Um, mm -hmm. And they are highly important to the technician scorecard. Um, you know, arriving on time is all about the planning. You know, mm -hmm. completing your jobs is all about the planning. So um, the planning team have weekly discussions with the field leadership team about you know improving the quality of routes improving the, the capacity utilization rates and all that type of stuff mm -hmm. yeah i think what's interesting to me is um you know you recognize the need to enable your technicians to focus more on the customers um so you've incentivized them to do that through the scorecard, but you've enabled them to do that by eliminating a lot of that administrative um, parts of the job so that they have the capacity to focus more on that interaction instead of those, you know, those other, you know, manual or, or time consuming tasks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Last question um, is, if, if someone's listening who is, is sort of thinking through how to um, begin to leverage or how to better leverage um, contract workers, um, can you first kind of summarize the value? What is the reason that, that this model can work uh, and work well for organizations? I, I think, a contractor model, you know, the reason why a lot of organisations go to a contractor model is because it's not a fixed model mm -hmm. from a cost perspective. Uh, and the attractive component of that is it becomes variable, right? Mm -hmm. And it depends what kind of contract arrangement you have, but most contractor models are, are, are variable and that's the attractive component of it. Um, but with that comes a lot of pain mm -hmm. if you don't manage it right if you don't have the right relationship if you don't have the right partner um, and you don't treat them like a partner mm -hmm. if you treat them like a contractor you're going to get contractor results guaranteed so we've been able to take a trade-like sort of service and make it feel like a foxtail service mm -hmm. um, but it's not unique to us i mean we can take this model anywhere Mm -hmm. um, because it's not specific to Foxtel. What we've right. introduced, what we've built, 
is transferable to any, any type of um, any type of industry or any type mm -hmm. of work, I should say. Mm -hmm. um, so if you treat your vendors like a contractor, you're going to get contractor results. Mm -hmm. um, it's about having a really strong strategic partner that can mm -hmm. work with you and work side by side. And you're going to have to be okay with being challenged. Mm -hmm. In actual fact, we get frustrated because we, you know, we don't get challenged enough. We want to be challenged. I don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. But the contracting company that we've engaged to do this type of work, that's what they specialise in. That's what they mm -hmm. do really, really well. So they need to bring that to the game. They yeah. need to bring that to the table. Um, and you need to allow them to do that. Mm -hmm. And it's okay if they challenge you. Mm -hmm. Yep. What is your best advice for um, incorporating or, or getting started with a, a model like Boxtel has done to drive that engagement and kind of, you know, shift that focus to, you know, being more of that, that brand impact and that, that customer experience? Um, can you ask the question again? Sorry. Yeah, no, that's okay. What's your best advice for someone to kind of get started with incorporating a model like this, a scorecard model? Um, you know, how can you kind of begin that transition from, all right, we're looking at this like a contractor thing. It's a volume-based thing. We realize we need more. What are, what's the best advice to sort of begin that that yeah. journey yeah sorry so um for me it's it's it just don't try to do too much too soon right mm -hmm. uh, understand exactly what is your desired end state what is your desired um outcome from that field workforce and just keep it simple right just mm -hmm. really start off simple and then um try to remove any of that complication Allow your field, your leaders to understand exactly what you're trying to achieve and then um, build on that. Just start off slow and build on that. Um, focus on what you want to do and be very clear with that message. And everybody involved from you down needs to be singing this from the same hinge sheet. Right? They need to mm -hmm. be with the same messaging. And it's okay to mess up. It's mm -hmm. okay to mess up. In actual fact, as long as you don't, break something, it's okay to mess up. Go ahead, mess it up because we'll only get better by messing mm -hmm. up. Mm -hmm. Got to give them the freedom and got to make sure that they feel safe in the environment to do what they need to do, but they're not going to be um, losing their job over it. Mm -hmm. You can't, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't um, penalise or, or, or you can't penalise somebody for having good intent. Right. I'll, I'll never, I'll never remove a technician from the platform if his or her intent was to service the hell out of a customer, mm -hmm. and they've gone outside of the process. Processes are guidelines. Mm -hmm. I'm taking them as a guideline. As long as you've done what you needed to do to get the customer online happy, enjoying Foxtel, it may not be the standard process, but I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. So we're in the business to do. Yeah, that's another good point. Is that empowerment, right? Because empowering the technicians to you know deliver the customer experience in in a good way even if that isn't picture perfect or you know whatever um it shows that you trust them and value them which you know goes back to that engagement and that buy-in of you know what the, what the mission is um 
But I like the point of, of keeping it simple. Again, you know, the the way that you've set the KPIs so that it's it's a you know consumable amount of things to focus on at once. And if you can kind of prioritize, here's what's most critical, then incorporate that, start there. And as you start to see progress and, and improve, then swap out some of those KPIs to kind of get to that next wave, sure. right? It's you're not set in stone. You just need to figure out where to start and, and get started. But not only the, the KPIs and the scorecard, it's it's the processes or the way you've structured the team. I mean, start off small, start off mm -hmm. in a controlled sort of environment and then keep adjusting. Mm -hmm. Don't stand still, keep adjusting. And then you'll find, you'll find your sweet spot. Once you find that sweet spot, bang, you're off and running. Good. All right, Nunzia. Well, thank you so much for joining and sharing. I really appreciate it. Pleasure. Thank you for the conversation. Absolutely. You can learn more by visiting us at futureoffieldservice.com. You can also find us on LinkedIn as well as Twitter at The Future of FS. The Future of Field Service podcast is published in partnership with IFS. You can learn more by visiting ifs.com. As always, thank you for listening. Mm -hmm.